Ion 2020 episode 260. Have 2020 Vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, y'all? Thanks for joining me for another week in the 2020 election cycle we are getting into february now and uh they had the iowa caucuses you guys know that all that debacle that happened if you listen to the previous episode you know what happened with that and uh they they still i think they got like 97 98 of the uh totals done but or counted but the thing is is there's like a lot of questions about the validity of all those count the counting that was being done <clears throat> So I know the um, the Democratic Party is trying to get in there and try to fix this thing and try to recount those numbers and all, but yeah, it was a debacle and it's still a debacle, but this week is going to be the New Hampshire primary, that'll be tomorrow on Tuesday, and uh, that'll probably go a little bit better just because that's normal counting, That they, it's a normal election process, I guess, where people go to polling booths, they, you know, write who their candidate's going to be, and then they go out and process those through some kind of machine that'll do the counting and all that then they could do hand counts and everything it's not just a bunch of people raising their hand in a caucus site for who their candidate's going to be and all that crap that they do in iowa so um i wonder if Iowa's going to change or the iowa democratic party is going to change the way they do it next year or and not next next year but in four years based upon this who knows it'll be interesting to see what they do because it was a huge debacle and it's just um idiotic that they would have a brand new app that they're going to use that they just trusted some idiot salesperson that sold them on this idea and then all of a sudden they're going to um they're going to just trust it and not even test it beforehand it doesn't make sense to me uh but you know what that's just the way people are like i said in the last episode it's uh it's the politically well connected to get what they want and uh whoever that person was that was politically well connected enough to get the democratic party to use this thing um, that all for him, man. He's probably not going to sell too many of those uh, software packages again, though. I guarantee that. Uh, but anyway, <clears throat> I have. I do apologize. I have a pretty bad chest cold right now, and so that's probably why you hear my voice scratching. And if I'm coughing and all that stuff, I'll try to edit some of that stuff out. But I try not to heavily edit the show just because I like to talk and uh, just keep on you know, moving forward with my, with my train of thought as I'm going through. So usually you don't see a lot of editing on this show. You've probably noticed that I'm not as, what would you call it? As polished as like a Tom Woods or anything like that, but I just refuse to do all the editing on this show. And I'm, and I'm not going to hire an editor because I like the way that the show is being, you know, just straight from the heart. And that's what I do. So, uh, if you don't like it, you know, <laughs> you've been listening for a while. So I'm, I imagine that you're okay with that. But anyway, guys, first-time listeners, I appreciate you joining me. Go ahead, if you can, subscribe to the show, okay? And then you can hear the show again tomorrow. You can also give me a five-star rating interview. That's always helpful, too. Uh, but yeah, so New Hampshire primaries are this week, so it looks like Bernie Sanders is going to win that. He's pretty much hands down 36, 37% of the vote is going to go to him. Maybe 
a little bit less than that because when you're looking at polls, it's kind of hard to tell. But you might have Pete Buttigieg come in a clear second. Or even Elizabeth Warren, but she's in the state right next to there. So, <clears throat> and so is Bernie Sanders. So it's hard to tell who's going to win because of that. But it looks like Bernie Sanders is like the go-to guy for a lot of the Demo- or for, yeah for a lot of Democrats in New Hampshire. And then Pete Buttigieg looks like he might be a clear second. Uh, Elizabeth Warren would probably be third. And then you have um, um, Joe Biden. They'll be probably be fourth. We'll see what the outcome is. I'll talk about that on Thursday as well. And then the craziest thing happened on Friday. I'm sitting there. And you guys know I used to do these debate episodes. And I used to get really good listenership, but then I realized after about the third or fourth debate, debate, the listenership on those shows was no more than really what my listenership is on the other shows that I was doing, except for the first couple debates. Those were my highest rated, highest uh, listened shows that I had. <clears throat> so I'm sitting there, and uh, I come in Friday night after going to a father-daughter dance with my daughter. Went out to dinner with some guys after that. Um, took all the girls out to uh, Red Robin, which is actually a pretty good burger place with some, uh, was, and they had some good wings and some beer and everything. So I come back about 10 o'clock at night, throw on TV, and look at that. They're having a Democratic debate on Friday night. I'm like, why are they having a Democratic debate on Friday night? They're actually wrapping it up. So it was probably from 8 o'clock till about 10.30 they were doing this debate. And... I'm thinking, why would you do a debate on Friday night? Why on earth are the Democrats trying to let make it so that no one's watching their episode or watching this debate? Because to be honest with you, most people are out to dinner on Friday night. Most people are not paying attention too much on Friday night. There's a lot of people that go to the movies on Friday night. Who is sitting in front of their house or in front of their TV thinking about watching a debate on Friday night? Nobody. Nobody. But the thing is, as I was thinking about this a little bit further. And it's probably the only time that ABC or NBC or whatever company it was that was doing the debate, it's probably the only time slot that they would give them because they know that the numbers are going dismally down, just dropping every single debate that they have. The numbers go further down and down. So I imagine that's why they decided to go ahead and have the debate on Friday rather than on like a prime time Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday slot. Makes no sense to me. But they don't want their message out there, apparently. They're not really that concerned about the message because nobody cares. And to be honest with you guys, they all know what these people are saying, which is more free health care. We want to give free health care to everybody. We want to give free this. We want to free that. We're going to have a race to the bottom to see who can give away the most stuff. And then that's, a, that's like three of them on stage. And then the other three are trying to figure out how to be a little bit more moderate in their approach to giving away more free stuff. Make it sound like it's a little bit more uh, palatable to the middle ground people. And then you have Tom Steyer up there on stage who is just trying to figure out some way to get more than 1% of the vote or 3% of the vote in these states when he literally has spent $100 million on ad spots. And he can't even get any traction whatsoever. And then you got Michael Bloomberg, who was not on that stage, but is dropping $200, $300 million. He's willing to drop a billion dollars, I've heard, in order to get elected. 
and he's not taking the approach of trying to get into these first four states, but it's not working for Tom Steyer. Why would it work for Michael Bloomberg at that point? Yes, Michael Bloomberg has a bigger name than Tom Steyer. No one even heard of Tom Steyer before this. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, guys, but um, nobody paid attention to that debate. I watched it literally for about three minutes. I listened to Bernie Spanners give his uh, his final pitch around like 10-10 or something like that. I guess it was the closing statements that they were having. And Bernie Sanders was like just, you know, doing the same old thing. The bottom 1% of, or the top 1% of the 1% get all the money and, the, and we need to redistribute it to the rest of the people. Not thinking about the reasons why. Why on earth is it set up where these this top 1% are able to get you know, the most of the wealth created. And it's because of the system that we have in place with the Federal Reserve Bank and the way that the money is distributed through the loan loan processes and all that. It's the banking system. Starting with the Federal Reserve. Making it easy for some to get money. The well-connected. Those that already have the money. Those businesses that are able to take credit and then it builds up the value of their brand or the value of their company and it seems like they're growing leaps and bounds when really it's all done on credit and then it makes the value of that stock go up so that makes the value of these people's assets go up which makes the 1% look even richer than they really are that's really what it is I won't sit there and hate on them by any means but they're just they're just working within the system that was given to them and it starts with the federal government and the federal reserve but no one wants to talk about that they just want to talk about redistribu- redistributing the wealth that's already there which doesn't work which doesn't work who who the reason why it wouldn't work is because you know overall i guess the government can come out there and take from some and give to others but then you get the corruption that goes along with that. The handouts, the welfare, the, you know, playing the system that goes along with that. I'm not just, I'm not just saying like the welfare poor people playing the system, but I'm saying the, the businesses playing the system as well. They all figure out how to play the system and game the system. And what we need to do is limit the government. Limit that power. Limit the amount of power that the Federal Reserve has. Get rid of the Federal Reserve for all I care. It distorts the system. And it leads to this top one-tenth of one percent having all the wealth in America and all that crap that Bernie Sanders talks about. But that's not a simple solution. The simple solution, the one that sounds good, the one that appeals to most people is look at that rich guy over there. Let's go take his stuff and give it to you. That sounds easier, right? That doesn't, that's not an intricate way to fix things. That's, a, that's, a, that's not an intricate way, and that's not a way that would really cause people to, you know, think about the reason why these things are the way they are. But that's what, I mean, let's be honest. You know, these politicians, they don't want you to, they don't want the finger pointing back at them 
as the cause of problems. They just want to point the finger out there and say, look at me, I could fix this problem. Look how simple it is. That's what they're trying to do. But anyway, guys, moving on from that topic, because there's something, there's a, I mean, it's actually an interesting article that I found, and it actually goes along with what I'm just saying here, and it actually gets along with um, presidential power. And I found it on Reason Magazine, and this was um, 2-8, so just the other day. And it says, it's on Reason.com, it's in Reason.com, some people love them, some people hate them, but they're a pretty consistent libertarian publication, right? They're not advocating for more government almost ever, in my opinion. Now, the editors of them, they're, they're not saying, they won't say, oh, I'm an anarchist libertarian, and so a lot of anarchists look at them and and uh, don't like them because of that, because they're not pure enough, or whatever, but you guys know my purity test does not even exist. I might be, to some, more pure than others, but I don't have a purity test. If you say you're a libertarian and you believe in limited government, I'm with you, man. I really am. So I would never critique reason, especially this article. I mean, it's it's absolutely amazing. So let me hop into this really fast. Got to, uh, yeah, there we go. I just found it. I apologize. So it says, instead of removing Trump from power, remove power from the presidency. After Watergate, Democrats rolled back executive power. Under Trump, they just want to be the ones who get to wield it. And that's by Matt Welch. And Matt Welch is actually really solid when he writes. I love the way that he writes. So I'm not going to read the entire article word for word for you. I'm just going to get to the highlights of it. Uh, But this guy, he just really understands the idea that what we need to do is stop having such a powerful presidency. And I said that after Trump was elected, all the Democrats were freaking out. And I posted on uh, on somewhere. Maybe it was on my web. Maybe it was on my Facebook or something like that. I said, if you're all freaked out about Donald Trump becoming president, then you should be advocating for smaller government. You should be advocating for less executive power, because you should be in a position where you're not afraid for your life because there's a president up there who's not going to do what you want him to do or her to do. You should be in a position where you say, you know what, he doesn't have that much power anyway, so it doesn't really matter what he thinks. That's just his opinion. That's what you should be thinking, and that's what we need to be moving towards is less executive power. But the thing is, is these politicians, they want to wield that power, so they're not going to try to get rid of that power. They want to have the ability to come in there and wield that executive pen and get things done. And then when the next president gets elected, they can erase all that was just done and start their own stuff. They want that. The politicians want that because in Congress, all they care about is getting reelected. That's it. All they, all the politicians care about is getting reelected. And the less responsibility that they have and the more finger pointing that they can do at the executive, the easier it is for them to get elected because they can say all the problems are on him, not on me. Look how I voted. I voted for that bill. I voted in favor of women's rights. I voted in favor of African-American rights. I voted in favor of tax cuts. I voted, you know, like they could sit there and just, on both sides, I voted against Obamacare, Obamacare. Like, that's what it really comes down to. They don't want to get rid of executive power. They will not sit there 
and do that because if they point the finger at Donald Trump for wielding executive power too much or Barack Obama for wielding executive power too much, that same power, if they start trying to pull that power away from the presidency, then their guy, then their guy won't be able to wield it when he gets in office or when she gets in office. And they are salivating at the mouth for a Bernie Sanders type to get into office and just wield that executive power all over the place. So let me hop into the article really fast and then we'll go ahead and uh, I'll give some more details after that as well. Okay, so it's instead of removing power from, or Trump from power, remove power from the presidency. And he starts off, now that Democrats have failed in their attempt to remove the president from power, it's worth asking why they haven't seriously considered the reverse, removing power from the president. We've seen over the 33 months Donald Trump's been in, took the, or since he's been in office, that he took the unusual step of firing FBI Director James Comey, any number of behavioral specific explanations for why the 45th president must go, but for coordinating with the Kremlin, obstructing the Russian investigation, making racist comments about four congresswomen, saying he would accept dirt from foreign foreign governments, and so forth. But what we have not seen is anything like a structural critique of ever accumulating wealth or ever accumulating executive branch power itself. Democrats don't like the way Trump uses authority, but that doesn't mean they want any less of the stuff in the White House, particularly when they get the the keys back. To the contrary. So, all he was saying there is exactly what I was just saying, is that the Democrats do, even though they hate what Donald Trump is doing, they say they hate it, they don't want to reel that in, because when they get the keys to that car, they want to drive it, man. They want to have all that authority. They want to have unwielded power, unwielding power. That's what they want. So why would they try to reel in Donald Trump? No, they'll sue him, they'll go after him for this, they'll critique him for that, they will do everything they can, but they're not going to start trying to pass bills that pull executive power away in the House and the Senate. They will not do it. Absolutely not. So listen to this. Then he says, in in his response to Trump's State of the Union address Tuesday night, leading presidential candidate Bernie Sanders lamented that the tariff-happy president wasn't being punitive enough towards American companies. So Bernie Sanders wants Trump to be stronger on tariffs. He he wants him to wield that executive pen even more. In her official Democratic response, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer focused on not on Trump's monarchical gestures during his speech, granting a scholarship, promoting a veteran, presenting a medal of of uh, freedom on the spot Theori- th- or theatrically reuniting a military family but rather on all the things democratic governors are accomplishing by executive fiat in defiance of their legislators so she was talking about how the executives and the governorship were just going around their legislators and they're happy about that they're okay with that we have a republican legislator we're just going to go around them and we're going to do what we want to do. We have a Democratic legislator in Washington. We're just going to go around him and do what we want to do. If we had a Republican legislator in Washington and, and our guy was a Democrat, we're going to go around them and do what we want to do. They're okay with that. The idea of democracy is breaking down because of that. Because the power is supposed to be in the legislator. 
but they're going to figure out every single way around it. It's becoming an emperorship. It's becoming a dictatorship. It's becoming all kinds of things over time. Think about how it's going to be in 20 years, 30 years, 40 years as the executive pulls more power unquestioned away from the, away from the, um, the legislator in the governorship. Same thing. They're not relevant. The, they're, they're just, the, but the thing is, and there's a reason why, it's because the reward system is wrong. The politicians just want to get reelected. So the less responsibility they have, the better. That's why they did it with war. That's why they pass off their responsibility on any number of things. Welfare, they just put it in the hands of the presidency. Schools, put it in the hand of the presidency. Those are things that the government shouldn't be doing in the first place up in Washington, but they do it. And they pass that authority onto the presidency. They don't want to make tough decisions in Congress because it does not get them reelected. That's all it comes down to. Listen to this, guys, further in the article. She bragged that, or Whitmere, that uh, governor of Michigan, she bragged that Tony Evers unilaterally increased school funding by $65 million last year. The Democratic presidential field, with the notable exception of faltering frontrunner Joe Biden, has been engaged in a race to see who can take, or who can make the most elaborate promises of immediate executive action. Forget 100 days, we're now talking about 100 hours to see what the magic Oval Office pen and phone can do. On day one, Elizabeth Warren would wipe out student loans for 42 million people, ban fracking everywhere and block any fossil or future fossil fuel leases on public lands and offshore. We are still awaiting the full day one list from a future President Sanders, but we know it includes an executive order to legalize marijuana in every state in this country, which is, that would be fine with me. That's taking away more power. That's taking away power from the government. But the idea of wiping out all the student loans that Elizabeth Warren's doing, she's just trying to buy votes. But she has this executive, she has this idea of an executive pen that can wield all that power, and she's going to try to use it. Same thing with all of these candidates. I'm sure that's the same thing. Absolutely the same thing. Listen to this. The 1973 War Powers Resolution asserts that the legislative branch's authority to declare war and approve emergency military actions or reasserts the legislative branch's authority to declare war and, re- and approve military actions. In 1974, Congressional Budget and Impoundment Control Act, which, fun fact, is the law Trump violated by withholding appropriated aid to Ukraine, sought to reestablish congressional power of the purse. The 1974 upgrade of the Freedom of Information Act was designed to prevent governments from hiding their activities. In 1978, foreign in- the 1978 Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act was supposed to block warrantless snooping of U.S. citizens. After Watergate, after Nixon resigned, the the Democrats and the legislators started passing all these rules and all these laws to try to limit executive power. Will they try to do that this time? They won't. They won't. It's a different day and age, guys. It's a day and age where executive action and executive power is going to be wielded by the executive and it's and it's praised by the constituents. Nobody none of Donald Trump's 
supporters criticize him on anything that he does with that executive pen. None of Barack Obama's supporters criticize him for anything that he did with that executive pen. It's popular to wield that executive pen. People want an emperor. They want somebody, a strong man up there that's going to get things done. That's what they want. So Congress isn't going to do something like that again. They're not going to try to pull away things from, from, from the executive, that power. They're not going to try to do it. I would love to see them do it. I just don't see them doing that, guys. There's just not the political will to do it because the less responsibility they have, the better. And that's what it really comes down to. They just want to get reelected. That's why, I always say this on this show, that's why we need to get our message out there as libertarians. We need to teach people that limited government is good. Limited government is the way to go. That's what we need to do. We need to change people's thoughts about their government. We need to change people's expectations of their government. We need to change the culture. And if we can do that, the politicians will follow along because, like I said, they just want to be reelected. If there was a call by the people to wield an executive power, if that was what people wanted, if we could get people to demand that, the politicians would follow along. They would. I mean, it's just over time we could change the culture, but I just don't see the... I, I, I feel like we're in a losing battle. Why would somebody like Bernie Sanders have so much... so many followers out there? Why would he have so much... Um, there's so many people that are voting for him. Somebody that's promising more and more government. Somehow I feel like we're losing it, but that's still... Re- let's reignite that fire. Let's find a candidate on the libertarian ticket that can speak passionately about liberty and get on that 50-state tour and start changing some hearts and minds, start getting people excited about liberty, excited about auditing the Fed. You know, all those things that no one thought Ron Paul should talk about, but when he talked about them, people cheered and loved him. Yeah, that's what we need to do. Talk about anti-war. Talk about bringing the troops home. But talk about limited government. Let's change the culture. Change people's expectations of their government. And then we win. Over time, we'll win. So, hey, guys, that's all I got for you, though. I appreciate you joining me as I've been doing this Monday and Thursday. Uh, I see the listenership continuing to rise, and I appreciate that. Appreciate you sharing the show with your friends. Appreciate you uh, giving those five-star ratings and reviews. I've gotten several of those in the last couple of weeks also, which I'm very happy about. And uh, I will keep on doing this show. You can follow me if you would like to. Go to Eye on the Empire uh, on Facebook or on Twitter. I post news articles and stuff there. And I also uh, am a fan on eyeontheempire.com. But go ahead and do that if you want to email me, ray at eyeontheempire.com as well. Uh, I always am willing to have those conversations with people through email. And, uh, you know, go ahead and uh, message me on Facebook as well. But I appreciate you joining me today and keep on coming back come on back on thursday so you can have clear vision for 2020